Thank you for listening to Tahlequah First United Methodist Church's sermon podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to the podcast. And if you want to find out more about us, you can go online at tahlequahumc.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. celebration ringers, the children, the choir. I don't need to preach today. You guys, you guys have had some, some great music today. Thank you. Everybody involved with that. Thank you from, from our ringers to our children, to our choir. Thank you for providing uh, excellent music today. I, that, I mean, I really don't feel like I need to preach today because I feel like those, those songs did, but you know, I've got to. I'm contractually obligated to preach, not only by call, but by other things. For the last five weeks, we have dived into the life of Moses. And hopefully he's taught you a few things. And I don't know about you, but one of the comments that Ashley made to me this, this week as, as she was doing her study was, I just wish Moses would just die. Because... You know, he kind of, like, you think he's going to die, and then he goes off into this long speech, and you think he's going to die, and he goes off into this another long speech, and, 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 and yeah, there, there were times where I would just say, just, just roll over and die, Moses, but he wanted to make sure that what he had to say would carry on for generation after generation. And we find these words in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 20 through 25, not only as something for the people of Israel, but for us today. So let's listen to these words. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 20 through 25. In the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of the laws, the regulations, and the case laws that the Lord our God commanded you? Tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our own eyes, the Lord performed great and awesome deeds of power against Egypt, Pharaoh, and his entire dynasty. But the Lord brought us out from there so that he could bring us in, giving us the land that he swore to our ancestors. Then the Lord commanded us to perform all these regulations, revering the Lord our God, so that things go well for us always, and we continue to live as we are doing right now. What's more, we will be considered righteous if we are careful to do all the commandment before the Lord our God, just as he commanded. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I want to do a little generational study here. I want to, sh I want to show you how divided we are generationally. Because studies show that there are an average of six generations within a church. And so if you were born between 19, before, if you were born before 1928, can you raise your hand? You, you can be honest. You're, you, so we have a few of you that are part of that greatest generation. 
If you were born before night or before, sorry, if you were born from 1928 to 1945, can you raise your hand? You are known by sociologists as the silent generation. I don't really like that name, but that is the generation given to you. If you were born from 1946 to 1964, raise your hand. You all know who you are. You're the baby boomers. If you're born between 1965 and 1980, raise your hand. You are our Gen Xers. Flannel on. If you were born between 1981 and 2000, raise your hand. These are the millennials. Apparently, they are to blame for everything that's wrong in the world. <laughs> if you were born between 2001 and present, raise your hand. They don't really have a name yet. They're known as Generation Z. There are, there are seven generations right now in this house. And you know what's sad and crazy and insane? We don't speak the same language. If I were to hold, I was going to grab a flip-flop out of my car. If I were to hold it up to you and say, what is this? Some of you in those earlier generations would call it a thong. For a millennial, that is not a thong. <laughs> we speak different languages, but yet in the midst of all this conversation and all this thing, there is one thing that remains the same is the story of faith. And how God works in this world and how God is active in, in, in calling us to be a part of this world and to continue to share the story that happened so many years ago. When you think about how far we're moved from the people of Israel in that time of Moses, we are many, many generations re removed, but yet the story continues on in us today. Sharing that story matters, and yes, the mediums change. Could you imagine, for those of you that didn't grow up with a television, how to tell the story to a child who now literally has a screen almost glued to their forehead? You can. And you have to. And you must. In order for our faith con to continue, the older generation must not, you don't have to learn how to speak their language. You just have to learn how to love them. And care for them. You don't have to learn, you know, um, how to utilize the touch screen to share the YouTube story, to, to share your faith. All you have to do is love them. And each and every one of us in this room has that capacity to share that story. Each and every one of us in this room has the ability to share our faith. But most of us are afraid. And if you ask me, that's one of the biggest things that is killing the church today is that we have people that are too afraid to share how God is at work in the world today. We are too afraid to talk about where God is calling them and where God is leading them. We're too afraid to remember the commandments that God commanded us. And because of that, we've lost our way. We need to be reminded and loved on and cared for. If we're going to do this the right way, if we're going to do our faith the right way, it really is about love and caring and getting to know our neighbor. I have to be honest, I haven't been good at that. 
And a couple, well, it was Wednesday night. We were outside playing in the yard, and I finally got to know my neighbor. Nice young couple. Maybe interested in attending our church one day. Not because of me, because they heard that you all do worship in a, in a different way than the church that they attend. And that intrigues them. It excites them. And maybe one day they'll be here. That is my prayer. Adam Hamilton in his book this week, he says, I believe that Moses' words in Deuteronomy continue to be the key of the future of faith. In teaching faith to children, we don't want to be guilty in cramming it down their throats. But I fear that most of us, that's not the problem. We may, take out our we may take our kids to church, even Sunday school, but sometimes we fail to have meaningful, authentic conversations with them concerning what we really believe about God, how we've seen God at work in our lives, and what we have experienced of God in prayer and worship. Conversations that are not forced, but come out of our daily attempts to walk with God. When I was thinking about this week and reading uh, the, the book and looking at, at this last little verse in Deuteronomy, I couldn't but help think of the grandparents in my children's lives. See, they don't just have my father and my mother who had passed, who instilled a lot in my two children in the, in the seven years that they got to know them. But Ashley's mom and, and dad, they don't just have those grandparents. We've been blessed by the many churches that we've been a part of, by all the grandparents that have been willing to share their faith with them. See, all those kids up here, uh, these are our kids. These are the kids that we're to share the story with. These are the kids that we're ta to talk about what God's love looks like. These are the kids that we're to help grow in their Christian faith. One of the things that I love is that when, when we have the baptism of a child and, we, and we're holding that baby and I ask the church, do you agree to raise this child up? And you're always, you always, I've never been in a church that said no. <laughs> but we fail when we don't do it. When we fail, when we don't get to love on the children and care for them and nurture them and let them know that it is okay that they are here and making noises. Because you know what? Adults make noise in worship too. Some of you are louder than the children. And that's okay. We're a household of God full of seven different generations that have seen life in a different way, but yet we come together to worship a loving and caring God who all God wants of us is to be the best us we can. And that's the struggle. Sometimes we're so afraid to share our faith and how God is working in the world that we just choose not to do it. Do you guys remember comic strips? Some of you may remember them. Some of you, that, that's way before your time. And, and, and I love them. That was one of the things I would do when I would open up the paper. I would look at the sports page, and then I would read the comics. Those were like the two things growing up that I really cared about. I didn't really care about that other new stuff. What was really matter is where were the Cardinals at in the baseball standings, and then the, the, the comic strips. There was a comic strip, of um, a Peanuts comic strip, and I think it was in the late 80s. Uh, Linus is carefully listening to his sister Lucy. They were walking to school, boast about her religious faith and her potential as an evangelist. She said to Linus, I could be a terrific evangelist. 
Do you know that kid who sits behind me in school? I convinced him that my religion is, be- is a better than his. Linus asked, how did you do that? Lucy replied at the end of the strip, I hit him with my lunchbox. <laughs> we don't have to share our faith like that. I'd actually encourage you not to do it. That's actually very unhealthy, and it's not Christ-like. But what is? Getting to know people. We can't grow the church unless we build relationships with people. And the only way you build relationships with people is if you share why this is important. That's what Moses is getting at. Because remember, this generation that was entering into the promised land had no clue about the locusts, had no clue about the bloody river, had no clue about the Passover. The only way they knew about it was from those older generations that shared the story and why this is important. In this past week, who did you share your faith with? If I would take a best guess, and most of us probably didn't this week. And some of us may have, but may not aware of what we were doing was really sharing our faith. I'll never forget in the first church I served, I had a teacher that called me and said, Hey, uh, if it's okay with you, can I encourage the school to do a canned food drive? See, we didn't have a food pantry in the town that I served. We just kind of, when people would come to the Methodist church, because we were the church in town that did things. That's how we were known. We were the church that did things in town. We would have, every now and then I'd have some canned good items, I'd be able to distribute to families that needed them, but this teacher said, hey, can I encourage the school to do a food drive? And we had, it, we, after she did it, she had about a thousand pounds of food brought to the church, and somebody asked her, why did she do this? And she said, because of my faith. She said, I can't teach faith in school, but I can model it. And this is the best way I know how to model it, by helping others, by, by doing something that I can do. I have these gifts of being able to inspire people. She's now the principal of that school, and they do great, amazing work in that school because of her faith. And she'll tell you that, too. How you practice your faith matters. People are watching. And if you do it in a great and healthy, vibrant way, people are going to say, hey, where do you go to church? Or why do you do this? That's a great end. Or people may misunderstand you. And I, I, you know, I served a church where people said, those Methodists, they're always doing something. They're always taking care of the poor, being there for the sick. Those crazy Methodists. And I thought, wow, that's the church. That's who we're called to be. And that's the challenge is to be the church. Ashley sent me this, this thing yesterday. She said, and it was this little Facebook uh, thing that I saw. I actually saw it all over the place after she sent it. But it said this, we will never change the world just by going to church. We will only change it by being it. And I believe that it doesn't just end here. We have to take it out into the world and share the good news and share why this is important and share the story of Moses to, to say that, hey, you can be not the best person and yet God can call you. 
Moses was called and did amazing things because he said yes, but he knew that in order for it to carry on, he had to share that story with the other generations. There's a really cool document that's actually, I think it's in the office, and um, I'm going to have it up on the web hopefully later this week, that talks about our church history and where we came from and the promise that, that, that this, this community had for, for the church. And do you realize that next year will be the 175th anniversary when Methodism came to Oklahoma? Not only when it came to Oklahoma, it just started just down the road, not very far from here. And people had the foresight and, and the excitement to share their faith for over 175 years. And through that time, ups and downs and all arounds have been present. But yet the story has continued and the people have pressed on. And I want to continue that story. And the story that I want us to pass on from this time in this place is that, man, those Methodists in, in, in 2017, man, they got it. They did amazing things with little. They did a whole bunch for the community around them. They changed the world because they got out of the pews and they were the church and the community. And we can do that. You're already doing it. Some of you just need to wake up and realize that you're sharing your faith when you serve on those boards. You're sharing your faith when you serve the community. You're sharing your faith when you serve even not wearing the church t-shirt, you're serving. Adam this week, he said this, and this hit me right, like right here in the heart this week. He said, intentionally sharing and living your faith is crucial so that your children and grandchildren know what you believe and how it shapes your life and so that they see a real and authentic faith in you. People are watching. People are interested in how faith affects you. And if you can share your faith in such a way that people want that a part of their lives, you'll bring people in. Ask Ashley and Emily. They've done it very well. We do it by living and showing and sharing. And so if we want this to be a better place, we have to make it that way. And we have to do it through love. And we have to do it through care. But we have to remember these stories of why we got here and why that's important. Because when we share those stories, not only will it make an impact, it will help change the world. So this week, go. Go. And share the good news that God loves you and cares for you. And there is nothing you can do about that. Go and share to the world that God's love lasts forever. Go and share with the world yourself. Because God created you to be the hands, feet, and heart of Jesus for this world. Go and do that. Because you are part of this story. That started in the beginning when God began to create. God had you in mind to make a difference in this world. Now go do it. In the name of Jesus. Don't forget. Thank you for listening to Tahlequah First United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening, and we hope that you come and join us some Sunday. And you can find out more about us at TahlequahUMC.org. Thank you, and have a blessed day.